Did the Beatles ever make a song about pants? Not, no. Not to my recollection. No, I don't. Well. I don't. One, two, three, five! Hello, and welcome to Beatles Therapy. I'm your host, Brett Bessa. Thank you for tuning in yet again to what is our fifth episode. If you remember back to our last one, you might remember that I said, you know, these episodes are going to come out kind of sporadically right now. And unfortunately, I did miss our episode for last week. I apologize about that, but I got a lot going on in my life right now. And unfortunately, unfortunately, podcasting is just a hobby right now, not my full-time career. Who knows? Maybe I can change that. But for now, it's got to stay in the realm of a hobby, which means I will not always have time to get to it, which is really unfortunate, and I do apologize. If you will also notice, in our last episode, I said our next episode would be about the song Misery. Well, this is clearly not it, because the title isn't, you know, Misery, but it is a really, really fun interview with Kansas City's own Brian McTavish. Uh, Brian worked at the Kansas City Star for a number of years as an entertainment writer, and I think you can see his chops on display in our interview. Uh, He's one of the reasons that I started to do this podcast, and I think it's a really fun conversation, and it makes for a great Tell Me Why segment. Uh, That episode on Misery will be coming, but I really wanted to get this out now because I was just really excited to do this episode ever since the beginning of Beatles Therapy. Now, I have been looking at the stats for this podcast, and I noticed we have a lot of Australian listeners, which is great, and I have a special episode coming up that will hopefully appeal to all Beatles fans, but especially to the Australian listeners that we have in our midst. So, special episode coming up, teasing it, not telling you guys exactly what it is just yet, but I am super excited about it. And I think that's all I had. So, without any further ado, here is me and Brian McTavish. Tell me why you cried and why you lied to me. Okay, so uh, Brian, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you appreciating me, man. <laughs> you know I do. Do you? I, I do. Okay, I can tell by the sincerity in your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. We're there. Yeah. We, well, we're here. We're on top of this Beatles thing. We're on top of the world. We are. All you need is cash. I was going to say Beatles therapy. Well, all you need is Beatles therapy. Can I get that? Can uh-huh. Uh-huh. All you need. Is Beatles therapy. Oh, okay. That... But what I liked was all you need is cash, which, of course, as mm-hmm. all you Beatles freaks out there know, right. is the uh, Eric Idol, George Harrison. The Ruddles. The Ruddles, yeah. right. Yeah, but yeah right. That yeah. wonderful uh, BBC TV parody yeah. of the uh, the rise and fall of the Fabs. Yeah. 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 They yeah. have some interesting stuff. There's sort of like this whole Beatles-esque subgenre that goes around. Just one subgenre. Well, I mean, well, okay, there are multiple subgenres of Beatles ass, but there's a. Have you heard this? Uh, Todd Rundgren d- did this album called uh, with his band Utopia called "Deface the Music." It's funny you should mention that. Okay. Well, not funny, haha. But it could be funny, haha. Well, that was kind of a funny, haha album cover. 
on to yeah. face the music. Todd right. Rundgren, it was a Utopia record. Yes. And I love that phase of uh, funny. We've never talked about this. Never. No, except no. now, so it's appropriate. Well, we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rundgren's band Utopia, was it 1980 or 81 at the latest? It's around that time frame, early 80s. Right. And so they, uh, he, they put out this fantastic, it's sort of a loving, sort of winking tribute to, yeah. to the Beatles, right? Well, yeah, it's it's not quite as on the nose as the Ruddles, which, you know, doesn't try very hard to disguise oh, the fact. The Beatles isn't, I mean, uh, the Ruddles is an out-and-out send-up. Of course. Whereas Rundgren, of course, adored yes. the Beatles. Have you heard, I'm sure you have, heard Rundgren's cover of Rain, the Beatles' Rain? Funny thing, I have not. Oh, my God! Yes. <laughs> I don't believe it. I think you're just trying to make me feel like uh, I've done something you haven't. Well, let's listen to a little bit of that here, why don't we? That was great. I I mean, that um, is so cool. I right. I mean, it embodies the underpinnings of what that original record was all about. I mean, it sounds so much like the original, and yet he gives gives it just a little kick. He gives it something just a little extra, but it's right. such a it's such a tribute. I Rain is one of my favorite songs. It's one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite Beatles songs. What's the one track on to face the music? The one I can never get rid of. Don't want to get rid of it. Uh, there's a flame in the back of my mind. It's the first one, and it's um, burning for you, you all, all the time. time. I just want to touch you. Do you want to touch me too? I think it's called. Do you want to touch me? Uh, it's or is it called? I just want to touch you. I don't know. I just want to touch you. you. Do you want to touch me too? <laughs> well, God, a little flat. I'm a little flat. You're well, right. That's okay. You're there. I'm. I'm not. I'm not a world class singer. I just listen. Well, that's the thing the about world. the about the Beatles is it's a sing along band. Oh, totally. I mean, if you think about it, they and I'm urging everyone here to think about it. That's both of us. Well, that's what this is. This is put us putting thoughts into your head. Now you're freaking me out. Anyway, okay. so where were we? We were talking about rain, which was good. Good, and then good. good. Brian, I'm sorry. Uh, fantastically great, beyond measure. Now, do they edit you much on up to date? That's live radio. Live radio. Should we explain that once a week? It's my pleasure to yes for Kansas City area listeners. Yeah. they might recognize Brian McTavish's voice on KCUR's Up to Date, eighty nine point three. 
FM, 11, 11 to 12 Central Standard Time. I come on about 11.48 a.m. most every Thursday, and I chatted up big time with Steve Kraske, the Steve host of Up to Date, and my whole function is to kind of morning zoo it. You know, yeah. I mean, I kind of break up that kind of very straight-laced but very responsible and wonderful NPR thing by coming on and acting just a little zany. Just a little. Yeah. Just a little bit. And we talk about weekend fun, like live gigs and shows and festivals and things. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's impressive. And anyone who has listened to it yeah. definitely should do themselves a favor and do so. Well, thank you, sir. So, plug. Plug-a-rama. So, uh, th- there's no... Uh, there's no editing because it's live radio. Okay. Right. I mean, the Beatles didn't just do everything in one take, right? No. Um, Did they? Did they ever cap? Well, I mean, from... Well, if for uh, astute listeners will know I saw her standing there, they used the first take as the album track itself, but yeah. they did edit it a little bit, so it's not... I mean, they did do stuff live at the BBC, so there are definitely Oh, well, live, that's right. Yeah, those two collections. That's Have right. you listened to those? Yes. What do you uh, make of them? Well, I find them vastly entertaining. It proves they were a great band. Right. They were a great live act. And people forget that a lot. They rocked. They, I mean, they who were rocked harder than them? People can make an argument for the Stones. Now, I love the Stones, but... The Stones are a blues band. Fundamentally, and I would agree with that. That's not a put-down, if you're wondering. They no. Were, but they were a blue, great blues band. I mean, they rocked. It was rock and roll. Yeah, no, they could but, rock, but if, if you well, had to pick well, high they, points... We don't want to sound crazy. The Rolling Stones rock their asses off. Oh, of course. Okay. And they continue we all know to, to this day. I guess that, I guess so. They sure, Why not? Yeah, yeah. sure. But we're, like, we're not throwing stones at the Rolling Stones. <laughs> That's right. But I mean, it's like, uh, but, but the Stones, they, the reason they can go on forever is they, they were and are and continue to be a blues band. Includes lots of jamming. Well, for sure. But it's like, you know, they're basically, you know, John Lee Hooker or Muddy Waters or those mm-hmm. guys. Those guys went on forever. Yeah. And so the Stones can, theoretically, the checks keep cashing, so they can just keep going. They sound great. But hey, good for them. I yeah. would if I could. Right. And the Beatles, no. They knew, when to, they knew when to get out of the game. Well, in retrospect, what did they really know? I think they were just doing their own thing. At the I end. think they followed their instinct, and they told, they told themselves, this is the time. Just get out, start doing your own shit. And I mean, I mean it's hard to criticize them. It worked. Well, it's very poetic the way it wrapped up. I mean, a solid decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it what spring of seventy when it all fell apart? Yeah, technically. I mean, it had sort of fallen apart. Yeah, well, it had been falling apart for a that. while, but yeah, um, uh, a long, I, long, torturous breakup. Was there anything you wanted to ask? There are a few canned questions that I have, and we'll get to them. Oh, but, oh yeah. Oh, oh the so, suspense is would killing you like, me. Would you like to? No, no, I can't wait to find out what the canned questions are. <laughs> All right, well, let me get my can opener here. <clears throat> so usually with these, I kind of like to go to a beginning. So what is the first time you distinctly remember listening to the Beatles? My first recollection is the um, Saturday morning cartoon series. Okay. Now, this is not something I've gotten into on the podcast before, and I've never actually oh. seen an episode of that, but oh. I am aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the reason it was great in terms of turning people on to the Beatles was not so much the cartoon itself, and I believe one or more of the producers of that Saturday morning cartoon went on to have a significant contribution to uh, their theatrical release, Yellow Submarine, that animated classic. Okay. In any event... The great part about the Saturday morning television uh, show, which was a cartoon and did not have the voices of the Beatles in the speaking roles. Nor did Yellow Submarine. Nor did Yellow Submarine. Correct. 
except at the very end when they make that little guest appearance, yeah, right? Yeah, the live which version. I, which is great. You know, would have, it made it a lot nicer that yeah. their, their, their approval of it was clear when they show up at the end. Well, you'd hope so. But anyway, so the Saturday morning television cartoon uh, animated fun used the actual Beatles tracks. And so you, oh. you actually, as, as I as a kid was able to be initially exposed to their records by way of the cartoons, right? Okay. So, oh, wow, this is great music. A Hard Day's Night and Can't Buy Me Love and all this early stuff. Now, what year was this? Yeah, this 60, 65, 66? Probably closer to 60. Well, it was certainly on in 66. Okay. It might have gone on as early as 65. Of course, though, all of you listeners could instantly check your magical boxes right now and, and beat us to that punch. But, yeah, so that's how I got turned on to the Beatles. Very much so. Okay. And then it was, you know, uh, but I didn't, but then... I didn't really connect it. I didn't connect it. I was like I was like seven years old or eight years old mm-hmm. or something like that. What was interesting about it was the Beatles. They kept that mop top look for the animated characters, right? Even, but, By this time, they'd evolved. But but even as the real life Beatles were getting longer hair and carrying on and getting psychedelic, that mm-hmm. never creeped into the television show uh, for the kiddies, so to speak. Well, this is what is something I appreciate about the Beatles is that there's something for everyone of any age. Oh yeah. And as I get older, <laughs> when I'm 64, it's getting closer <laughs> and closer. So, but the funny part is I kind of dropped out of, I mean, I really liked the show and I really liked, you know, the humor between, they wrote it kind of like an animated version of A Hard Day's Night. Okay. And it was very fun and happy and, and the music was great. And then I kind of really didn't come back to it. I mean, I was a kid. I was like in elementary school. But, you know, around 12 or 13 years old, you start discovering music and Mm -hmm. rock music was at that time ruling the world in the uh, late 60s and early 70s. But it was right after the Beatles broke up that I really woke up to the Beatles. And I started buying these singles and playing them on the old GE Wildcat plastic uh, record player. Woo, you could fold it up like a suitcase and take it wherever you wanted to. Wow. And I took my Beatles wherever I wanted. Now, how how big a deal was the breakup? Well, at the time, I was totally like not aware of it. Oh, really? I was the oldest of five kids in my family. Okay. So there was nobody to hand this down to me, and I failed oh. my younger siblings. Basically, they were totally out of it. I was semi out of it. Okay. Um, because it was, my parents did not discuss the Beatles. There was not a fave band of theirs. Mm. They were more into the. Harry Como, Frank Sinatra thing. Or okay, so the, they were a generation before. Rosemary were... Clooney. Uh, mm, okay. you know, the Mills Brothers were a big hit with my father. Mm-hmm. You know, Check out Paper Doll by the Mills Brothers. I bet the Beatles knew that song. I Think about this. The Beatles, they grew up listening to all of those people. And I bet they admired them, they, too. They, they, were, they were rock geeks in the finest sense of the word. I mean, if you listen to those live at the BBC tapes, they cover, you know, not just Chuck Berry, some really obscure stuff. Too, yeah, but I mean, like, stuff but not back. rock stuff even. I mean, they grew up admiring, uh, uh, you know, pop singers right. who were on the radio in England when they were growing up. Well, and then Paul McCartney, one of his signature tracks was Till There Was You, which is uh, a cover of a music band song. He does a fine job with that. I think he did that. That was part of their, uh, their set, their live set, wasn't it? It was, yes. And in fact... Anyone who has the version that comes on in the second volume of Live at the BBC is beautiful. Much more than the album version. Oh, it it's is sweet. Oh, it's much sweeter. I've heard it. I can't which, quite. Which, it's it's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard all that stuff. I never tire of it. Neither do I. I mean, you, you get to a certain point where you're a little overexposed, but you know, for me, it's give it a day and then right back on the train. But once I got going, I got going uh, in a steady fashion and picked up uh, first the singles. Okay. 
I had a 45 collection. Do you of remember the first one that you sort of really imprinted on? Well, you know, I got to tell you, the first one, and it's still, I'm anticipating another question perhaps, and what that might be what's your favorite Beatles song? We'll, we'll get there. Oh, we're going to get a twofer. It's a twofer. Mm-hmm. It's the first one, and it's still my favorite. Okay. It's fundamentally the one that still gives me goosebumps most reliably. Would you like to take a guess? Come on. Just take a wild guess. A wild guess. Study the lines in my face. Eight days a week. Close, but no uh, cigar. That's a darn good one. Have that's, you heard the anthology version of that? I've heard it all. The the little acapella ooh intro they do? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Why they didn't keep that in the album version baffles me to well, this it's day. it's not as cool. I beg to disagree. No, I well, well, well they, that, was, that was instead of the guitars, right? Yeah. Well, the that. guitars. Well, it's okay. That's all right, a... we disagree. We'll agree to disagree oh, on this front. Okay, but my favorite. Okay. And the first was I Want to Hold Your Hand. hand. Okay, it's well. It's so straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. It's so heartfelt. It delivers the goods. I guess I'm a John guy. Okay. Because when he is asking that girl or investigating the situation... <laughs> Right? I, that, that, you could describe it that I way. want to hold your hand. And of course, he does. You can take that just straight up. He wants to hold her hand, right? Or, but, as metaphorical. Summarily impl- with John. Well, w- w- yes, they were naughty. And I think that, you know, it worked on that level too. It, it did. Because think about it. They had to operate within confines. There was a box, right? And the music came out of the box, but yeah. to get it in the box. box. You had to uh, work within these rules and parameters, The shape right? of the box. Yes, and they filled it. Let oh, me tell you did. what. So, you know, I think sometimes restrictions bring out greater creativity. I would argue that's the case most of the time. I would argue that with you, but I won't argue with you. Okay. I would agree with you. Okay, good to hear. Absolutely. Good to hear. Well, I mean, for a lot of Americans, that was the first Beatles song that they understood. I mean, that's what really broke them out in the American well, market. yeah, I mean, I know it's so obvious. It's like, oh, I well, want I mean, to hold your hand. Ed Sullivan, 64, first American hit. All of that's true, but I'm telling you, I'm driving around in the car. Okay, it is, yeah, set the scheme. Set and the I'm just saying, any more, like, you know, okay. five minutes ago, five, you know, five years from now, if we're, hope, hope to be here mm-hmm. listening to the Beatles and Many having further now. chats with you. Yeah, yeah. That's right. When I'm 64 and all that. <laughs> but that thing comes on, I put it on, and it just gets me. Yeah. It's just like the most plaintive, honest, and yet deliciously saucy yeah. evocation of teenage lust might be too strong a word, but it probably isn't. No, I don't, I don't it think it is. It probably isn't. But I mean, even younger people can relate to that. Well, yes. Young people, yes. Well, it's for young people. It's for the young people. It's for everyone, I would argue. I think the Beatles well, have transcended into the point where it's now for humanity itself. Yes. But the thing is, it's also, it's a super nostalgic thing for me now. I mean, it takes okay. me back to that time. You know, the golden age of anything is 12. And mm. that means, like, when you're 12. Right. <laughs> okay. So okay. What, whatever's going on when you're 12 that's the golden age of whatever you're into, you know, whether it's science fiction paperbacks or comics or the Beatles or, uh, you know, film noir or, mm-hmm. you know, that'd be kind of weird to be into film noir at 12, but it I'm happens. sure, I'm sure. Is, is that a confession? I, Are you saying not, something? Not, no, not personally, there, but oh, okay. I, I know people, but you know what I'm saying? Kids yeah. Get into this yeah. Stuff. Right. And especially back when I was 12, 
that's when 12 was 12, you know? I mean, you were... What am I talking about? Yeah, is this a little bit of Genovia creeping in here? Kids these days. Oh, well, no, a little bit? I'm afraid it's overkill. <laughs> I don't know, but I had a good time when I was 12, and I still am 12 in there somewhere, and the Beatles helped me stay 12. All right. I mean, it, it helps keep us all a little younger. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you, that you're joy. Feeling it. You're feeling it now. Yeah. Right. So you said you're a John guy. Yeah. Is he, would, you, would you categorically say he is your favorite Beatle? Well, if you had to pick one, I guess I'd have to pick John. It was John's band. It started out that way. It started out that way. And whether he relented and or Paul was more aggressive or or, both. or, or more productive. A lot of people would say that um, the uh, heroin was also a factor there, too, heroin? at the end. Oh, yeah. Heroin? He didn't know this? He sniffed it. No, he did. He, he injected it. Thanks oh, a lot, Yoko. You're telling me he injected heroin? John Lennon, yes. Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Oh, it, no. Well, yeah. No, no, well, I've read interviews where he claimed to merely sniff it. But, you know, he's only a... I mean, you, one can understand. <laughs> Reading he, John Lennon interviews, one can, uh, one can pull, pull out a lot of quotes. Well, <laughs> contradictory quotes. That, yeah, that's what I'm but, trying to uh, there, well, what, yeah. well, here's a quote for you. John, I think, well, he, he was so brazenly honest, it was alarming at times. That was a great strength of But it was a though. strength. And when, and when he said, it takes, I'm paraphrasing, very badly here but something to the effect i pull out a lot of my best john lennon quotes mangled as they are now as mm. i try to communicate them from the jan wenner the classic lennon remembers interviews mm. yeah which appeared originally in rolling stone in 70 or 70 yeah and After then the there was a nice little paperback you could buy back in 71 or two that you know compiled them i didn't have the wow. original magazine or anything like that mm. But uh, he talked about how everybody, you know, Lennon saying stuff like, well, everybody talks about how the Beatles were bastards. And he says, well, yeah, we were bastards. That's right. To make it, you have to be a bastard, he said. Huh. And the Beatles were the biggest bastards of all. And you know wow. what? Well, think about it. Pete, come here. We need to talk. Right? Yeah. The whole Pete Best thing. Oh, they didn't even do that. They had, um, I think it was Epstein do that Brian, for them. Epstein or Epstein. We don't know. Oh, God. I'm, I'm not Jewish enough to answer that question. <laughs> uh, anyway, their manager did the dirty work. Yeah. And got rid of uh, uh, poor Pete Best. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you could, you could do a whole thing on Pete Best. Uh -huh. I bet you could get Pete on here. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> you know what? I'm going, I'm going to write that down. And yeah, okay. I I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter or something. Sit right down and cry over I'm you. Say, yes, right, right. Uh, that's, I think, a, that's a good one. I think you could get him. All right. Well, we'll, we'll work on it, folks. I once interviewed George Harrison's sister when she was over here. Once upon a time, I worked for the Kansas City Star. I was an arts and entertainment writer there for a number of years. And so I had many fun things to do as the pop music writer and many other things over the years. But on one day, mm. I was able to sit down with George Harrison's, uh, I guess, older sister. And what year would this have been? Oh, the 90s. Of probably. So he was still alive at this point. He was still with us. Okay. And she was, you know, making a nickel uh, coming over here and, mm -hmm. and uh, selling a book or something. I can't quite recall. But she was quite engaging and sincere about her love and appreciation uh, when it came to her brother. And uh, the thing that stuck with me, though, the thing that struck me was, you know, yeah, John Lennon, great talent. Paul McCartney, great talent. That fantastic songwriting team. And Ringo was Ringo, right? But, well, but, he was a great talent. Now, he I was always, a great now talent. Now this uh, sticks but, in my craw. He uh -oh. was a damn good drummer. Oh, and apparently, now we're getting, we got to get back to George here before it's, well, no, right. we don't actually. We can do whatever you say. It's your thing. Right. This can take as long as we want. 
<laughs> well, as long as uh, Brian here will. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm here for as long. I'm, I'm here for the duration. Um, well, okay. You want to talk about Ringo? Yeah, let's talk about Ringo. Okay, so Ringo uh, is fine, and he was a great drummer. Oh, look at you getting oh on your high horse when okay. I said fine. Right. Fine's not good okay. enough. How I'm many takes did Ringo fine. mess up? I, How many times did I, they have to pull a double? I have a, nothing a, bad to say about Ringo, but you know he he. Only, that's the thing. No one ever says it has anything bad to say about Ringo. That's accurate. Ooh, that's deep. Yeah, but I have nothing bad to say that's accurate or inaccurate. <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about him. And and I sense a butt coming. Though. I there's no butt. There's an and. Okay, and and it relates to this. Really, I listened to your podcast, your recent podcast that oh, extolled the virtues. Of uh of the uh, Sergeant Pepper 50th anniversary uh, CD collection. That's was I extolling its virtues? I felt like I was quite critical of it. Actually, I spent half the time whinging. Well, as a fan, uh, anything about it was uh, good information for me. I, okay. I, I was not negatively affected by your analysis. Well, thank you for the high marks. <laughs> exactly. But you pointed out, and maybe I read this as well somewhere else. Maybe I was attributing a good thing to you. I'm sorry. I'll take it. I, I would give it again. Okay. But basically, I read maybe somewhere. Perhaps you mentioned it or both. That his kick drum is just exponentially more powerful on these reissues mm. of Sgt. Pepper's yeah. various outtakes. They're bringing that up in the mix. Oh, yeah. and so he's great. And, he you know, great. I love the guy. He's a super steady drummer. Super steady. Yeah. And he never over... This has all been said before, but we'll, well say it is, again. Yeah, this is, this is our chance to say it again. Exactly. But he never overwhelmed the material. Exactly. He only did what was necessary to propel it to its ultimate entertainment value. Exactly. And that's why... Did you ever hear the version of Love Me Do with Pete Best on drums? Yes. And that is his great sin as a drummer is what? that well he was trying he, he was trying to rock out in the middle of Love Me Do. Oh. Now let's let's you know this isn't Love Me Do is not a great whatever that it's means. It's an Everly song. Brothers song in disguise. Exactly, but it's not this is not the song to be rocking out to. Yeah. And you got to know what you're here for and what is the purpose of this thing that we're trying to do and that's what I don't think he ever got and that's why I think Ringo was the perfect fit. Okay, I can't contradict that. I don't have enough information to contradict that. Okay. If I'd done my homework, we could have gone to it, gone at it. <laughs> okay, well, but, uh, we'll save that for the next one. So, John's your favorite Beatle. He is. All right. He is. Is there a reason why? He's a funny guy. Hilarious. They funny. were all funny guys. Yeah, yeah, sure. But funny, he, he was the quintessential Beatle because he was the upstart. I mean, they, you could say this about all of them mm -hmm. because they kind of were a unit. They were. Well, kind of. Maybe, I mean, they were all of. existed in service of each other. Yeah, they were great. But I'm just saying that he was the leader. I think they there was an, some sort of tacit public acknowledgement of that. Yeah. Uh, unspoken. Oh, right. But I think they looked to him to be the leader. Especially at first. Right. And until the heroin kicked in, as you so... Well, okay, uh, not until um, then. That, that was a factor in him withdrawing, but especially up through until 65. I think you I withdraw before you take the heroin. That's why... Well, I don't know how this works. Neither do I. But yeah. yes, John's my favorite. And what I like about John is when he like he would do these interviews. Like um, there's this very famous interview that many listeners, I'm sure, are are familiar with. Uh, just YouTube it, <clears throat> right? Um, right. I, you know, before YouTube and before all this, how did this ever? Uh, yeah, well, it's a mystery to you, me. Well, what you did was you did your work. You did your you paid your due diligence. You went to the record store. You talked to the clerk. You you hung out with other guys who had certain books and collections and vinyl and you know this is how you learned these things was. And there was a certain pride of ownership of knowledge. You well, know what I mean? It was kind of, talk about being a rock geek. Well, yeah. But anyway, so <clears throat> much, much harder. <clears throat> I mean, I, I stayed up late to watch the so-called, it was called The Tomorrow Show. 
And it, ever heard of this? I have not. It was hosted by a guy who's no longer with us, as so many of us are no longer with us. His name was Tom Snyder. And actually, this goes far. This is a 70s interview he did with John Lennon on The Tomorrow Show. I mean, Tom Snyder and The Tomorrow Show were sufficiently well-known that Dan Aykroyd uh, did a killer impersonation of uh, Tom Snyder, the host of The Tomorrow Show, which came on at midnight after The Tonight Show on NBC, hence, hence The, the tomorrow, tomorrow Show. Yeah. So he spent a full hour one night, or 1 a.m. or whatever, uh, with John Lennon. And John Lennon, at some point, I'm just sitting there fascinated as a teenager myself, I mm-hmm. guess still a teenager. And, you know, he talked about how the Beatles broke up at Tom Snyder's urging. And Lennon said basically, well, <laughs> how Paul had kind of taken over. Yeah. And, I mean, he said they'd all be sitting around and they'd get a, he and Ringo might be sitting there and they'd get a call from Paul who would say, Hey, guys, this is the voice that Lennon uses. Hey, guys, time to make another album. <laughs> and oh, these no. guys just wanted to, you know, they weren't into it. As Paul wanted, he was show business. Yeah. And so was. there was a division there, I think, when yeah. he, he would have gone on with the Beatles like uh, Jagger and the Stones as long as he could have. Well, I mean, he's still touring, so evidently. Oh, yeah. Evidently. Right. Yeah. I don't understand why Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney don't play together. I don't understand it either. They don't do it that often. Well, they could be the stars of their own gigs if they don't. Yeah, but what do you do? Do you tour with half the Beatles? Well, and what uh, do you call it? What do you do with that? It's, well, it's, the Who, if if uh, if Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend can call themselves the Who, but actually that's a terrible example because I'm a big believer that they should not do that anymore. Yeah, because they're not the Who. Well, it's it's a little sad. Well, it is, and who are we to say? Here we sit, you know, passing judgment on the rock well, gods, fair enough. but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But hey, that's what we're doing. So. Well, all right, that's what we're here. Thank to you, do. technology. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. Because when I was when I was a young man, you couldn't do this. We just sat in the corner and and, and yeah. wondered why we had no power. Yeah. Well, and and here that's we what are. The internet does it gives you know people who a sense uh, of, <laughs> the false power. Yeah. Um. But okay, I went to go see Ringo at Starlight Theater a few years ago, right? And uh-huh. you know he he does these oldies but goodies tours, right? Right. And he doesn't drum that much. No, he doesn't So anymore. I think we yeah. know why he doesn't like play with Paul on a tour, because he's got to play drums, and he doesn't, I don't know if he's tired, or he just doesn't need to do it anymore, it's or, no fun. Well, I mean, it's probably better to be up front, too. Well, yes, I suppose so. I mean, you, you got to think that there must be some ego involved. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Maybe a little? <laughs> just yeah, a little bit, yeah. Right. And this is Ringo shot. This is Mr. Starkey's opportunity to be out front. <laughs> I've got the limelight on me. Ringo Starr and his all-star band. Yeah. Not Paul McCartney and Ringo. And, of course, Todd Rundgren, uh, I saw him with, he was part of the all-star band that one night. That's a fun show. If you can oh, ever really? go catch it. Really, Ringo's fine. He does a few tunes, and that's great. You want to be in the presence of, you know. But, yeah, but it's really fun. But it's fun. But it's fun to see the all-star band because he has these great other rock musicians, hmm. uh, historic figures like Todd Rundgren and now all the other famous names escape me. But that's fun to hear them do. They each get like a few songs to do their hits. Okay. So that's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, and then the Ringo comes down front and uh, shows, I hate to say this, and Go I'll deny it. it. I'll deny right. it. But it's fake news. He, he doesn't, he, he, he comes down front and he looks awkward. He does, he's, I mean, for a great oh, drummer. He does look awkward, yeah. But he doesn't see, where's the, where's the body rhythm? He he's got none of it. I mean, if, yeah, if you see him n- not behind the kit, he's a langly, awkward mess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can't deny it. Yeah. It's true. Which is all the more reason 
I mean, but when he gets behind the kit, I would even go so far as to suggest he sit behind the damn kit, whether he plays or not, because that's where I want to see him mm. and maybe kind of fool around. He has another drummer there. Yeah. So it's like, let the other guy handle it. Yeah. And you can kind of like, uh, you know, uh, do whatever you do back there. You know, maybe have a tuna fish sandwich, whatever you need to do. But just be, stay back behind the drum kit because that's where you belong. Well, that's what the people are paying for. That's right. Yeah. When I saw him, he did not do Octopus's Garden. What? How does he not do that? I don't know. I mean, I get, that's the thing with Ringo. I make these, these playlists of the best of for each one. You know, George, I had to struggle to keep it to 20 songs. Paul had said, you know, F it, I'm going to go all the way to 84. With Ringo, there's 13. I love Ringo. He's got great songs, but there's not a whole lot there. He's the drummer. Right. You need a great drummer. And even one of those songs, I mean, look. Which one? Oh, well. I left off was Act Naturally. I don't like that. You left off Act Naturally? I don't like that song. Well, it is a cover of the Buck Owens and the Buckaroos hit. That's correct, yeah. But it is kind of poignant because uh, it's about him. You know, they're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make make a a big big star out of me. Right. Yeah. And so... It was sort of cool that he sang that because he was sort of the star of Help. He was, And yeah. he had kind of something that vaguely resembled a pop star movie career for a few years uh, in the late 60s well, and early 70s. He was the conductor 70s. on Thomas the Tank Engine, if I do recall correctly. Well, that's, wow. <laughs> thank you for... Thank you for... Uh, Reminding uh, everybody of that, yeah. yeah souring my... Well, uh, well, I mean, he was a big presence in America. He was him and Paul were apparently the most popular Beatles when they first started coming over here. I had no idea. Yo, oh, you didn't remember the Ringo for president and what was sixty four? Ringo I, for president. I thought, it, I thought it was Paul, Ringo, John, George for president. Okay. Okay. So, can you do this? Can you tell me this? I bet you can't. I'm going to tell you a story. Going to sing me a song? No. Okay. I didn't bring my guitar. I don't play. But part of my Beatles appreciation development occurred in an unli- a relatively unlikely place, and it was mm. a progressive Presbyterian church in Crevecourt, Missouri, which is basically a suburb of St. Louis. This is unlikely. For me, looking back, it seemed like a, an interesting little wrinkle. Mm-hmm. And when I say progressive Presbyterian church, I don't know, I think that goes to, I mean, the Presbyterians, what do they believe in? You know? Right. They believe in coffee after the service, I think. And, well, I believe in coffee. And so do I. Yeah. And I don't want to knock the Presbyterians because I was a happy youth group member for, for a number of years there in junior high. Anyway, I was buddies with the uh, minister's son, who was a bit of a rapscallion. You know, okay. how minister's sons are, you know. Yeah. But uh, and he was a cross-country runner. Okay. And so he would run around the indoor perimeter of the church. And now, this church was not a typical shotgun shack with a bunch of pews and rows, fixed seats. This was a new agey, feel good, okay, carpeted, open. Carpet. Wow, those hippies. <laughs> uh, and and the chairs were like movable, like you know chairs you'd find in a in I don't know like a, a school or okay. something. It, it was a very kind of a relatively hip religious experience, and so he would be running and running and running around, and I was not much of a runner. But I was a Beatles fan and turned him into one. I said, hey, nice. let's put A Hard Day's Night or or Help or any number of wonderful early Beatles recordings. And I am a, I think my favorites are the early ones, by the way. You were secretly wondering what my favorite era was. 
It's the it's early. Good, it's good to know. I mean, it's, I. <laughs> it's I, good to you know. know. I I've had this weird sort of thing where I I started out appreciating psychedelic stuff and have you know worked my way back into uh, their catalog, loving it each step of the way. But yeah. it, it's, it's some of that stuff's a little cliche nowadays. The old stuff, know. yeah. Well, it's old rock and roll sounding. Yeah. I mean, it was very innovative sounding then because they put their own spin on it. But basically. But as you know technology continues to invade music i think there's a there's a backlash and appreciation of just the simple stuff you know it's fundamental rock but anyway so he's running around in the church to the soundtrack of the beatles and i'm running and this it was am i conveying to you any the energy yeah the energy of that and we would crank that thing uh, up on a weekday afternoon his father would be in the office hard somewhere it's perfect for that cranked too. it up and he's running, and I'm running, and we're just running like young, crazed Beatles fans in circles and thing, feeling like we weren't running in circles, feeling like we were running over mountains and, and exploring new territories of the mind and spirit. Well, the Beatles have a way of doing that. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah, so I mean, I'll never forget that. It was just an exhilaration. So, but I really love that early stuff because, uh, you know, it's, I don't know if they were ever innocent, right? But certainly uh, the audience of... Uh, for the Beatles was more innocent. Yeah. And um, I was when I became a fan. And I, I, I kind of started the early stuff. And I just thought that was so appealing. And I'm a melody freak. Well, there and you go. of course, they were always happy to deliver on that count throughout their career. Thank goodness. Right. But it isn't like, you know, you're listening to the White Album and all of a sudden bung- Bungalow Bill comes on and you go, what? got a great melody, though. Hey, I mean, talk about sing-along songs. And, and frankly, I'm not a it, but... It isn't like those early records where it was just like yeah, one after tight. another. It's not It's not like hit. That's the thing. You put on a Beatles record, and I'll be damned, every song could be a hit virtually. Yeah, virtually. virtually. Yeah. Okay, what's the one song that might rub you the wrong way, might, on Rubber Soul? Uh, Run For Your Life. Rather see a dead little girl than to be with another man. I got a, I feel that. Okay, but, but that, we're, we're getting at something which else album? Well, no, I mean, actually, I had forgotten that one. It's just a weak way to end the album. You got some of this great it, well, transcendental we, we, stuff. Well, you know and then, the story behind uh, it. Yeah, it was I know. a toss-off. It's a rip-off of an Elvis song. But I'm saying they, need, they literally needed a song to finish the album. Yeah. And it's at the end of the album. It's a tack-on. Yeah. But isn't Rubber Soul, unless I'm getting this wrong, doesn't that have the word? Oh God! That's worse. Ah, uh, you you know what? You're right. You're right. That is one of my least Say favorite Beatles wor- songs. What, but but even so, because it's didactic. It's like "Be Like Me" is the lyric. You yeah, know, in the, the good and the bad books that I have read, I'm like, come on, John. it's sort of self-aggrandizing. Uh, yeah, say the word and and you'll be free. free. Say the word and be like me. Well, first of all, yeah, there's yeah. four of them. <laughs> right. It's a little weird. Yeah, but and thanks, be like John. me. I think. That's the, that song betrays a certain uh, or suggests a certain big-headedness. Yeah, well, I which mean, you don't hear in their stuff. No, you're right. But again, ever John Nutt was no stranger to ego. But but I mean, uh, these are these are golden. These are gems. Yeah, John Lennon colon no stranger to ego. Run it as headline. That's right. And the young girls would come to them. I mean, can you imagine? Well, oh God, I couldn't. No, I can't. Or should we try? Because it might hurt our heads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, I mean, oh gosh. Mm. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't say I too many, enjoy too that many. Song. Oh, we're all over the place on this. I, I got off on the groupie thing there, That's right? Okay. That's okay. But anyway, yeah. So that song kind of pains me. But the word has this beautiful um, 
part that they lifted from it and utilized beautifully on, uh, what's that, Cirque du Soleil? Uh, love. On Love. Now, it's funny you mentioned that track. I so think even that, that lousy track has some beautiful music on it. Well, you, the Love track, the version that they synced with Drive My Car and What You're Doing, is, I think, the most impressive on that album because the way they mashed those three together is so seamless. Yeah. It, it's perfect. It's very clever. Extremely it's exceedingly clever. clever. So anyway, yeah, so I don't like the word on the rubber soul, and I've totally no. lost the track of where we Would were. you say that's your, your least favorite Beatles song, or do we well, have a... I mean, I think that's down there that's, for me. Oh, that is a kind of a question to ask everybody. What's your least, least favorite. favorite Beatles song? Well, because we go into how much we like them so much, but it's also, hey, look, big enough fans have points where, yeah, that wasn't well, one of Well, you know, best. but even the... I like them all, right? Or I can oh, take them yeah, all. But there. I mean... And this, you might wince at this, but she's leaving home. <gasps> you know, that's pretty precious. I, yeah, I, I understand. But it is 1967, and no one had really made a pop song like that before about the generational tug of war yeah. between the young people and the crazy soul-dead mother and father who don't understand why their little baby is left. And yeah. I guess it was Fun is the one thing money can't buy. Yeah, that's right. Bye-bye. Now, do you know the difference on this one between the mono and the stereo versions? No, I'd love to know. Oh, the mono version is sped up by about a half step, and so it's much it's much quicker. The vocal and, too. Yeah, it, it's it's all. Is it's the a, song over sooner? Then I like it better. <laughs> by about ten seconds, but it, okay. Uh, well, it might be worth giving. I, I know it's not one of your favorites, but it might be worth giving a little listen to between the she's difference. She's leaving home. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, it just it seemed a, a bit much. Schmaltzy. Yeah. yeah. I have a distinct memory, though. That's Paul. Of, well, it is. I have a distinct memory of asking my mother up to my room to listen to She's Leaving Home. <laughs> and she sat there very patiently, like, okay, mm-hmm, very loving mother, beautiful person. I don't think she cared. But a whole, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she, I, but she cared about me. And so she was going to sit there and listen to me try to impress her with my Beatles fanship or whatever. And maybe there was a subliminal message that I was trying to send, you know, yeah. like, take, be nice to me, well, it was like or I'll scene, leave. It was like that scene in Almost Famous, right? Which one? Well, the, the one where, uh, what's her face? Zoe, uh, oh, what's her Zoe face? Deschanel has... Love uh, her. Love her. Yeah, but she has the mother sit down, listen to uh, oh, right. Simon Garfunkel's song. See, you don't <laughs> understand me. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It's funny how these uh, archetypal situations just keep playing out. Over and over again. Beatles are perfect for that. Well, I mean, we are of two different generations here, but I think it's. I'll speaks tell if to, you uh, tell. Well, yeah. Can you tell? Is, is, is it Do you better? want me to tell? Do you want no. this? I can cut this out. Oh, that's great. Well, then let's tell it all. Yeah. No, I'm. Uh, well, it is Beatles therapy. I'm, uh, Beatles therapy, whether you need it or not, <laughs> you need it. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm working on. I'm, I'm like 58 and three quarters. Okay. And you're not. No, I'm you're, you're, 24 ooh, and one half. Ooh, 24. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What's the old joke? I have, I have pairs of pants older than you, <laughs> uh, which is not a joke. I mean, it's sad commentary, but it's not. It's not okay. I'm not making All it right. funny there, but they're good pants. I'm going to show you my Beatles comic books yes, now. So we have Beatles comic books here in I have, studio. I have, <laughs> I have many Beatles comics. I only could find two because as a crazy comic book collector, I don't know where any of this stuff is anymore. Okay, so, so here since we this have... is a podcast, we're going to have to describe doing our best. Yeah, I think this is like... Uh, it's a good pod here, folks. This is great pod. Yeah. So, 
This is uh, September number 79, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And we shouldn't go into, into too crazy. Of, I mean, this is almost an impossible uh, thing to do here. It's quite in good condition. It's pretty good condition, condition. But what you have here is it's like uh, you have Superman flying over a scene in which Jimmy Olsen is is playing a little bongo. In a Middle Eastern city, it looks like. Well, it like. looks like ancient Rome or something. What does he say? The thought balloon from Superman's head says, Great Krypton, Jimmy has started a beetle craze here in the ancient past. He's become as popular as Ringo. And this absolutely confirms your earlier contention mm-hmm. that Ringo was the cute, popular, one of the most popular Beatles. And this story is called The Red-Headed Beetle of 1000 B.C., Jimmy Olsen being the cub photographer for the Daily Planet and Clark Kent's sidekick, and uh, he had his own uh, comic magazine. Obviously, this came out, this was actually on the stands in the summer of 1964, so DC Comics, they jumped on the Beatle craze like other comic book publishers did. Oh, aren't we glad they did? Yeah. And I'm going to throw a link to the image for the cover in the show notes, folks, just so you can see what I'm talking about. But this, I mean, they all have Beatles haircuts, all the people under... uh, you know, under Jimmy Olsen. The audience. Yes. And they're all screaming, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah. So I have like several copies of this because when I find a comic I like, especially if the Beatles are involved, I buy multiples. Okay. Uh, but I couldn't find my Beatles Life Story comic, which came out in 1964. There was this oh. mad rush. You know, they rushed, they rushed into production of A Hard Day's Night. Well, because they were wondering. Right. Hey, when's the bubble going to burst? Exactly. Let's get this done. And so all of the ancillary profiteers thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the comics and the and the toys and the blankets and the board games and everything had and to come wigs. out. And the wigs. Oh, the Beatle wigs. I wish I... Ooh. You can still find old, you know, video clips of, you know, very old morons wearing Beatle wigs on very bad television shows. You're yeah. getting a laugh. They're getting a laugh just from putting on a beetle wig. Right, and they were, I mean, what, the people thought they were a joke at the time? No, what they thought was, people were, well, humor has developed, but this was an era, 50 or so years ago, more, when an old person putting on a wig was a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a laugh. Uh, okay, okay. So I, but I couldn't find my Beatles Life Story comic, which... Didn't sell that. Well, it probably sold really well, but it would have sold more if it had. I think it was like a thirty-five cent comic, and those didn't. Was I mean, comics were twelve cents. Maybe right, a that's giant expensive would be for a, the time. Or, yeah, very expensive. But it has a photo cover of the Beatles in color, and oh. so you can differentiate their hair colors different. Wow. Each you can. Okay, see, I say wow, but that actually is impressive for the time. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, so and it's a it's a it's a it's a phony you know autobiographical you know made up. A story of their rise. Why would they make it up? But I wish I could find that. Also, but you would find lots of comics like uh, uh, with with the. Oh no! Okay, anybody out there remember? Uh, never say anybody out there. This is bad, but I just said it. Hey. Well, Paul has a song called "Anybody Out There." Okay, does yeah, he? it's actually quite good. He didn't play it too much on his last tour, but it's. Did you listen to his latest record, the 2013 one called "New"? No. Oh, Brian, you're missing out. It's it's good really good i've i've sort of fallen away from keeping up and, well, I, mean, I, and I don't and i don't blame you like I, I don't think i've listened to ringo's latest record in full but throw that on do yourself a favor all right. it's good it's good it drags a little bit in the in, in towards the end but the first the first side is fantastic i'm a fan i'll take your advice all right thank you um so the second comic book we oh have. i brought another comic book so yes suffice to say there were lots of like you know 
publishers of comics and you know visual storybooks that tried to hop on pop and you know be you know make money off the Beatles. Yes. But what we have here, ooh, let's take it out. Now this is CGC graded this at nine point four, so this is in very good condition. This is a comic book that was actually sent in to be uh, graded, as you say, and it's uh, encased in plastic. And uh, we could digress into a very long argument over whether this is even a healthy idea to put a comic book that you're supposed to read into a tomb. The answer is no. The but answer is we'll no. But... but we do it for strange reasons. I did it on a lark. But you can't read the comic anymore. Yeah. You but, can look at it, though. But it's just gorgeous. It's the Beatles' Yellow Submarine comic book adaptation of the film of the same name. And it says here, and there are the Beatles with the Blue Meanie and the Nowhere Man. God, the and then it says under here, it's an ever-loving sub-in. <laughs> Woo! Now, what, would this have been 67, 68? Oh, no, no. It came out in 69. Oh, all and right. the movie probably came out in 69. Okay, I think guessing. that sounds right. But uh, the cool part here is uh, it even tells you on the cover, giant Beatles yellow submarine poster inside. Many of these um, are missing the poster, as you might imagine, uh, because the whole idea, hey, look at this cool psychedelic uh, Beatles poster. Take it out and rip hang that it up. puppy out and hang it up and ruin the value of the comic. But this one is intact. Well, they weren't thinking at the value of the comic at the time. No, because it was throwaway entertainment. Yeah, it was not intended to be like fussed over and 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 uh, worried kept about and, and kept in wonderful shape and all of that. But that's know? the reason why it's valuable today. Now, when was the last time you saw the Beatles Yellow Submarine movie? Well, it hasn't aged well. Do you agree it, or disagree? It depends on what you're going into it for. Tell me. If you're going into it for a psychedelic experience, and let's say you and some friends have some illicit substances, not that I'm speaking from personal experience, but I have seen the movie, and it seems like one of those things where it it, uh, it is what it is. If you're not look if you're not looking to go see Citizen Kane starring the Beatles, <laughs> if you're looking for wow, isn't this crazy? Isn't this weird? Then I think it's great. But if you're going into it, you know, wanting a coherent narrative, then you're going to be sorely disappointed. Well, the music's great. The music's fantastic, and it's it's intriguing, and I can see why. I mean, the visuals are great, too. Frankly, it was, uh, I think, perceived at the time as a sort of a leap forward in uh, animation. It's, it's very well animated, I must say that. But th the storyline is thin. At best. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but I'll look at it every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and I love the Nowhere Man sequence. Oh, like the spinning record part? And I like the little Nowhere Man, yeah. Yeah. I like that character. Yeah. Um, I'm partial to the Blue Meanie. Well, he's a son of a bitch. Yeah, I, I, but that's that's part of the charm, right? <laughs> well, yes, of course. As I was saying, yes, uh, it's good to be able to understand the motivations of uh, of crazy animated characters. Yeah, you got to get really in depth here with the villains. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I agree. All right. Well, to get this back on this whole yeah. thing back on track here. Right. So. What's your favorite album? You've mentioned before, oh, Hard Day's Night. You're killing me. I'm holding a gun to your head, Brian. You're killing me. Holding a gun. Wait, you got to pick one. All right, hold on. Let's go through it mentally here very briefly. Favorite? What's My favorite, I would take that to mean the one that I can listen to the most. I would, yes. That is a fair criterion. I love them. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer. I'm going to okay. pull it out of me like a bad tooth. But before you pull it out of me, I've, I've got to come to terms with this. Because I just love them all. 
Uh, oh, of course. I love them. That's why we're here. Right. Um. Well, it's a hard. It's hard for me. Maybe I'll do it, but process of elimination. Okay. Let's let's start naming a few top well, ones, and then like the Sgt. Pepper's album. I, I've heard it so many times. It, it's it doesn't make my top five. Do you have? You've actually. I mean, I love it. Through top. Oh, five. I have. Have I you have shared the top five with listeners? I have not. We'll we'll get into that later. Not um, today. Not today. No. Oh, well, yeah, you gotta. Uh, I mean, Revolver is my favorite. I think I've mentioned this before, but if I haven't, then oh, there it is. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I enjoyed. I, I listened to a wonderful conversation between you and your sister, who was very perceptive yeah. well, and a fine you. conversationalist. And I was sympathetic to her view that that middle period, if you will, that rubber soul slash revolver period, almost, 65, 66. 65, as he says. As uh, aficionados call it, 65, 66. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I was sympathetic to that, because I can certainly listen to Revolver. I can certainly dig on uh, on uh, uh, Rubber Soul. Do you know that Dave Marsh, the famous rock writer, who's even older than me, actually wrote a book devoted to his love and appreciation of the American release album by Capitol Records? Call the Beatles' second album. album. Yeah, which is a great title. It is. I love titles that tell you exactly what something is. And so, why do I bring that up? Because, you know, I I really do love that early material. I'm going to say Meet the Beatles. Oh man, that is or, a classic. Or is it with the Beatles? It's Meet the Beatles. No, the, well, it is well, in America. The, the with the Beatles is the second no. UK album. Meet the Beatles is the first capital U.S. album. Yeah, there's just something about that early stuff uh, yeah. that just captivates me. I get it. I mean, I get all the genius to come. Mm-hmm. And there's something strange. I guess my, I'll tell you this, okay? All my right. favorite Beatles album was never released. It was the single disc white album. That would have been my favorite Beatles album. Well, the problem is, what do we put on the single disc of the white album? We put the stuff, well, what do we take off? We take off... Uh, Oh my God. Revolution we, Nine, Wild bingo. Honey Pie. Well, yeah, I mean, take, and I, I don't even hate Revolution Nine as much off, as others do, but we take off. Uh, I take uh, off Savoy Truffle. I, I don't know. George can do better. It's pr- but I find myself singing along to it. How about? I actually like Long, Long, Long. Isn't that on there too? That is. It's good. I used to hate Long, Long, Long no, I don't because hate it was it, so long, it, it long, just, long. It just doesn't do anything for but me. But now, as I've matured, gotten old. I like it now. Mm. It's funny how your perspective, I mean, you're, as I've grown a bit more patient yeah. with, their, uh, with their individual dalliances. Ooh. <laughs> That's why you're the host of this fine program. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, guess, I guess I'll go with just that but, initial excitement. I'll go with with the Beatles, the, the second album released by the Beatles in England. That, to me, is a great record. I would agree with that. That I'm gonna get something personal. That's the first time music actually made me cry. Is listening to that album. Yeah, I know. Tell me more. I, <laughs> Tell me. No, I want to yeah, know. No. Well, I was just listening to it. Uh, it had been a long weekend, and I'm at a friend's house, and oh. I just we were all taking naps because it had been a long uh, celebratory weekend, shall we say? Yeah. And I was listening to this, and I'm like, it just occurred to me how much, how crazy it might be. That you can love this little funny little piece of music so much, but it can bring you so much joy and so much happiness. And yeah, I sort of tear up a little see, bit. See, this is the thing. Sure, their later stuff had joy and happiness. 
but their early stuff that was it, their calling card yeah was that emotional high that joy that happiness yeah that it almost stunningly realized stunningly realized yeah and that's what you, you as a listener you're just taken aback that's why when i hear those those hand claps and that kind of weird kind of half-assed guitar playing which is <laughs> you know you know there's sorry that, george there's that well, it's great, but it, it, it's not consistent. No, and it's not. It's, it's kind not of what wiggles. it would be later. Yeah, but it's so sweet, happy. It's happy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Brett. It's happy. That's the word I've been searching for. It makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, all you need is happy. Yeah. And they delivered, man. Absolutely, did they? That... But you know, see, the thing is, we talk about our favorite Beatles albums. There's no way to separate their music from their collective persona. I mean, okay. it's just, I, I don't know that under, I don't think that in any way undercuts the accomplishment of their Absolutely tunes. Absolutely not. No. It's a package but, deal. But, it, but it, I got to tell you, it boosts the tunes, too, mm -hmm. to know that these guys that you don't really know, but you think you know. You feel like you, you know. You feel like you know, are doing this music and making you feel good, and it's like you're in the club, you know? I like that. And that, I think, is why I'm so attracted to the early material, because it's just so I mean, it's I pure. No, you're it right. It feels pure. It feels, it's like the, it's the, it's the magic of youth. I mean, it, it, you listen to a song like It Won't Be Long, uh, which is not a big, you know. Which is out of tune. Yeah, and it, it's not, it's. But, but I it, love it. It's so, I, like, I feel like I'm 12 years old in, you know, 1964 or, or, or late 63, you know, listening to this. It it makes me it takes me to that place that I've never even been before. They did like I don't know how many songs about coming home. They I'm did, coming yeah. home and you're there it and I love you and I yeah. and and I miss till I belong to you. Yeah. Oh my god. Till I belong to you. Do the guitar. Oh my god. Oh, that's that's Since that's killer. You left me. I'm so alone now. now you're coming. coming you're coming on home. <laughs> I'll be good like I know I should. You're coming home. You're coming home. Oh, yes. Sorry. I, yeah. That's right. Well, there you go. That, yeah. That's how we'll lead there off this are. episode. All right. Well, Brian. Oh, no. Don't say it. No? Is this it? Hold on. Okay. Do you have something to get to? Uh, well? I saw Paul McCartney in Wings in 1976. <gasps> okay. You gotta talk. We got to talk about there it. There isn't much to say. Other than how fantastic it Except was. Except me to brag a little about that. And I've seen Paul a few a few times since then, but the thing I took away from that that was the Wings Over America tour, 1976. Yeah. And now um, I saw that show in Kansas City, Missouri, at Kemper Arena. <laughs> right, and we waited in line months ahead of time to buy tickets. When you had to wait in line to buy tickets, I wish you had to anymore. They were fifteen dollars, and we thought, uh. "What? Fifteen dollars? Are they out of their minds?" We don't know, we're not made of money around here. That was a lot of money in 76, I yeah. guess. Well, you know what's fair, though? We were happy to pay it. You know what's fair? Is that when you used to be able to do it that way, who cared enough to get to the venue to get the tickets were the people who got the tickets. Now, it's you go online, you try to, and it's sold out in literally a fraction of a second to these all these third-party retailers. Yeah. Blah, 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 it's blah, very blah. suspicious. I'm ranting like an old man. The here. moment that I'll never forget from that concert is when he's saying yesterday. Because... I mean, you know. What was the feeling like? I, Try I to had, describe it to you. I, I was trying to I mean, fail. you won't be able to. No. Um, well, it was just astonishment that I was there 
I mean, think about it. It was only six years after the Beatles broke up, but it felt like a long time since the Beatles had broken up. Well, it was a long time. But it, now, it does, that six years is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. But it seemed like a long time. And it seemed like historic that he was there in, in my well, hometown. And, of course, you know, they, they rocked and rolled. And actually, the version of Maybe I'm Amazed that appears on the triple album Christmas release of 76 mm-hmm. uh, was called Wings at the Speed of Sound. Yes. So their, but the version that we hear of Maybe I'm Amazed was the one that they performed, more or less, because they're fiddling around, you know, they're piecing yeah. things together. At the Kemper Arena concert. No I way. Was yeah. And, wow, that's cool. That's um, incredible. But cool. when he did yesterday, of course, he had a little acoustic set. He did Blackbird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did yesterday and, and some other do, stuff. I, I've just seen a face. He did. I've just seen a face. Oh, right. God, that's such and a that's great all on song. the album. You get the entire concert on that triple disc set. Yeah. But the, you could hear, as they say, a pin drop. I mean, there were. It was a full house. There were fifteen, sixteen thousand people were there. Their lighters going up. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, whatever happened to now? They hold their phones up. It does look pretty cool, but not it's, as cool as the lighters. Well, and you don't burn your fingers. That helps. There are a few lighters still to this day. I went to go see him in St. Louis, actually, uh, oh. earlier last year. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, there, when, when he when he played uh, Hey Jude yeah. and Let It Be, that I mean, everything brought the house down, but especially those, because those were just unifying to have. How many people does Bush Stadium hold? Oh, probably uh, around 40,000. Yeah, and, well, it was almost, it either was or almost was the, sold out. Oh, is this the, oh, this is the new uh, the oh, new tour, the latest I don't, tour. I don't, I don't think it holds that many. Uh, well, I'm not sure. Regardless, it was to packed. Have tens of thousands of people all unified in one moment of just pure togetherness is an experience I can't put in words, and you just have to feel for yourself. Well, let me just also add that you know you're a young guy, and uh, to your credit, uh, you know I don't think every 24 year old guy is into the Beatles. Not everyone, no. I think you're kind of uh, a special guy well, in terms you. of your ability to perceive greatness uh, <laughs> that uh, I agree with. Well, that's that's why we're doing this podcast, <laughs> is to go over the greatness that was the yes. Beatles. Well, this has been great. It has been great. I've enjoyed myself immensely. Can we do this again? We don't even have yes. to talk into a microphone. I could just buy you a beer and we could, take, we could do this some more. All right. Well, we'll have to do a part two. Does that sound good? Why don't we do part three and then we can go back and do a part two. Okay, let's do it that way then. All right, well. And you're agreeable. I like you for that reason, too. Well, thank you, and I like you, and you've been great to banter with. So, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, and, and may the Beatles forever live in our hearts. It won't be long, yeah, 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 yeah. It won't be long, yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be long, yeah, yeah, yeah. Till I belong to you.
sleeping no more. 